Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me this week is Alan Drummond. How you doing, hey, Alan? Sean. I'm doing well. Good. What's happening? It's storming outside. We are getting another massive snowstorm as we speak. Oh, joy. Well, massive by the uh, Toronto weather forecasters, uh, but, you know, a normal Canadian winter yes. weather. Yes. And it's like the third one we've had, but it's like it's like Armageddon or Snowmageddon. Snowmageddon or part. Again. And it's like, it was good, though, because the roads this morning, I was working today, so the roads in and out of Toronto were great. Um, because I guess people are actually like getting wise and being like, oh, there's weather and I can work from home. So they just work from home. And mm-hmm. even I was just leaving Hamilton and it was like, just, it started like nothing to like four centimeters in like 10 minutes. And, um, the road into Toronto was like 90 kilometers an hour away, 50 miles an hour. Um, yeah, it was great, but it's howling outside. So yeah, come morning time, hopefully everything's plowed a bit, but they're calling for a bit of rain on top to make that nice ice crust. Just like last week. Yep. 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 Oh, well, it'll be 15 degrees by Tuesday or something. Like, it has been crazy like that all, all winter. So. Oh, yeah. We'll be in big thermal underwear tomorrow, and within a couple of days, we'll be in shorts and a t-shirt and Crocs. Don't mention Crocs again. <laughs> all right. What's on the agenda tonight? Where's Derek? Derek. Derek. Where's Derek? Derek's not here. Derek bailed. Derek's not here, man. Derek is skiing with some buddies up in Blue Mountain. Oh, okay. Yeah, so and considering we're recording buddy, this in the Blue evening. Mountain, I'm, I'm thinking there's less skiing going on than buddy time and drinking. buddy time. Yeah. Drinking. They're eating pizza and drinking beer and watching TV. Why didn't he call in from there to do this? That would have been more entertaining. Right? Get your drunk buddies <laughs> online. Yeah, right? Try to record a, a paddling, but none of them paddle. Doesn't matter. Everybody, they do exactly. Now. Make <laughs> it up. Let's, let's just see where this goes. <laughs> but no, uh, no. Yeah, he's he's uh, he does a trip every year with his buddies to do some skiing, and uh, this was right. this was the weekend or week, few days anyway. Well, yes, but the only actual week of winter we're getting, so. Yeah, might as well use it, right? We've had a few days here, a few days there, so lucky them. Well, I got to think they're actually going to ski on real snow, not some artificial stuff. Um, probably some of both. It's blue, after all. Yeah, mixture. Toronto I don't think Outdoor... Ontarians know how to ski on real snow. <laughs> Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show was uh, this past weekend. You were there, I was there. Had a great and time. Many, many more were there. Many, many, many. Many more. Many more. <laughs> Many more. Oh, man, it was so crowded. I don't think I've ever... It's been crowded, but I don't I've think it's like ever been consistently that. Every year is either a vendor or working for a vendor or as a customer for 15 years steady now mm-hmm. and odd years before that. I don't think I've seen it as busy. Yeah. Um, like parking. We got there at 1130 and we go in one side of the convention center off of one road and it was like lined up. I pulled a quick U-turn, went to go around uh, the hall. And then they also do the RV show either this weekend, same weekend or next weekend. So there's all sorts of RVs all over the place. Yeah, there's the bridal um, so they have show. a big section of the parking lot all blocked off to stage those. And I ended up getting the second spot from like, the, the the road furthest from the door, airport road. Right. Um, 
and then like I waved at my friend Yuri who was coming in and like I'm like mm, park here and then on the way in you could see Dwayne uh, camping family uh, doing song tag sitting yep. there white knuckling it waiting on some guy to pull out of his spot so he can jump in and he thought he hit like parking lot uh, lottery and yeah, it was just, it was just crazy from the get-go. And, like, even the entrance, the amount of people that were lined up to buy tickets and the yeah. amount of people just getting their tickets taken on the way in and stuff, it was uh, it was good to see because, you know, last year was kind of a rebirth from COVID and it was kind of a weird year. And we were off for two years. We were up for two? Yeah. Three? 2020. So we, they had to kind of a scale back one of 2022. There was nothing on 21. 2020. No, February 2020, there would have been one. That was before COVID. That yes, was it was just COVID before, was, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, Canoe Copia was had one, Yeah, as I'm well aware, on half of there. Me <laughs> 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 and Berger having dinner with our friend Lori in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It was like, NBA? No, Vegas. Everybody go home. Canoe Copia. Canceled. But yeah. anyway, it was good to see the crowd back. It was good to see the atmosphere and the vibe in the room was just... Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I haven't seen that in quite a few years, so that was good to see. Yeah, like I say, it's, it's, I mean, there there was, there was a couple sections that weren't as crowded, so we just would get out of the really massive crowded areas and then go over there for a bit of a break and then dive back in. And, right. Um, and it had the regular travel area, underwater area, the bike. There was a lot of bikes there, electric bikes well, and stuff. Well, as one friend, um, I was talking to somebody at a, a, a pool course that I just, I went to say hi to a bunch of people that were doing a pool course on, I don't know, my days are mixed up, Sunday at some point. Anyway, and they said there is no bike show in Toronto this year. So that's why the bikes, oh. but the bikes used to be at this show. Yeah. Right. The other adventure. There used to be a lot of bikes there. Yeah. Um, so it was good to see them back. You know, my, most of them were e-bikes, but hey, whatever. It's, um, they're filling the room and outdoor adventure. So, yeah. And same with that's like, you know, as on one of the Facebook groups this week and somebody's like, it was a crappy show and blah, 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 too much travel and too much this and too much that. And it's like, not enough. It's like, not enough of the one thing that they like. Yeah. But it's like outdoor adventure is different for everybody. Yeah. Like, if I want to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro, it's like, I can go talk to somebody there. Like, if that's not outdoor adventure, I don't freaking know what is. Yeah. Well, you know, if if you think you're going to go there and everything is geared towards you, I want to have your wallet. Right. Yeah. I mean, they had, they had the big travel section. They had the big U.S. section. They had all the scuba diving and whatnot and Caribbean section and, all the paddling section and yeah, yeah. You're not you're not gonna get everything geared towards just what you want. There's not ninety percent. Ninety percent of the booths there had something to do with outdoor adventure yep. or camping or wellness, which wellness contributes to you going out and having a good time. And I know you've got on your list here talking about you know the the, the gutter people and the window people and the pillows and all that. Yeah, stuff. I know those they feel those are, the, those are the things. They're at every single trade yeah. show. Like that's how the trade shows make their money because they knew know that the gutter guy's coming back. They know that the whatever's coming back. Yeah. I didn't buy anything except some baklava and Turkish delight. And how were they? I couldn't Fantastic. get close to the place by Fantastic. that point. Fantastic. Lovely ladies. They're Iranian. Yeah. Um, 
first time I've ever seen them at any show, and they say they don't have a storefront because uh, Tamara, my girlfriend, asked, like, where's your store? And I like, we don't have. We just do shows in that. And I don't think we got a card or anything. I wish I did because, no, it was fantastic. We got some, uh, like, there's still some over there. And Tamara's out of town, so I guess I get the rest of it. I that. guess that's yours. Uh, yeah, we got a couple different, three different types of baklava, and about half a dozen different uh, Turkish delights, and mm. they had some nougat there as well. And, and it was all really good. So it's like, I don't know. I, I expect a certain number of those type of off-brand things at any yeah. kind of show. You know, like you go to the car show and you can buy new shutters. Like, yeah, you know. So I mean, it's, it's a complaint it, I it have with cool. all those shows. And yeah, I, I fully agree. It, it's how they pay their, you know, pay for the yeah. the, the show and stuff yeah. like that. So you're going to have them. Yeah. That's just a yeah. nitpicky thing with me. Well, your complaint is not valid, and I'm not validating it. So. <laughs> You will validate me and my parking too. <laughs> That's one great thing about that show is free parking. Free parking. As much as the parking I, I absolutely sucked this year, it, it, yeah. it, is a, it is a show that consistently goes to, to a building that has free parking, mm-hmm. which, you know, the Sportsman Show, the Auto Show, many other shows in Toronto, it's like 15, 20 bucks. Well, even Kenocopia, you go down yeah. there and you got to pay every day. Yeah, right? right. So it's uh, unless you stay in a nearby hotel. I'm staying right across the street this year. Over. Yeah, and then you get the free <laughs> free parking there, and you walk yep. across the street. I think there's three hotels that are kind of quasi connected to the uh, the convention center. Yeah, there's one that's like literally a hundred feet away, and the other two are like across the parking lot. So yeah, yeah, that's where we're staying this year. But um, nice to see uh, some of the new canoes, kayaks, and paddle boards that were on display. Didn't seem to have as many small item vendors. No, there's quite a few people who were kind of missing, weren't there? Yeah, there's like the first like eight. Staples. The first eight guy, he's always there every show, yeah. like every single show. You walk and in, he's right there beside Madawaska and yep. um, Owl Rafting. Owl Rafting. It's, like, it's like the most consistent thing at that show ever. Just yep. like um, Tim from Canadian Outdoor um, Equipment. Equipment Company was always, you know, kind of right staple right at the front. And he's been missing. Was he there last year? Nope. Can't remember. No, no. So since COVID hit, he's yeah. uh, he, he he's gone. Because Kevin Callan used to have his little booth in the corner there and would sign. So the first right. thing you and walk in, year, and this year he partnered up with uh, K K K I H K I H D Kid Stoves or Kid Products. Yeah, K I H D. Kid. Okay, what are their names? Keith Ingo. Henry. I know. I like looked at his name tag because me and Tamara were right by the booth and we, t- we talked to Keith for a few minutes. Um, the rest of the guys were busy. Like, that's how busy they yeah. were. It was like you literally couldn't get in to say hi to your friends. Yeah. Um, and Denny is the D. And, yeah. Um, like, even Kevin. I know Kevin didn't do the whole show like in No, he was, he, he did his thing Saturday. and then signed some books. And, like, afterwards. I had to, like, kind of elbow my way in front of him. He was, like, signing some, somebody, a book for somebody. I'm like, I only had a second because we're out of here, but hey, Kevin. He's like, hey, and then poof, we're gone, yeah. you know? So I was standing in line uh, talking to a couple of people, and uh, I just, it, I didn't need a book signed or anything, but I'm standing there. I'm just yelling out, Where's Andy? <laughs> <laughs> we want to see Andy. Andy was down at and he Outdoors was, Oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Which they've taken over the, uh, the tent city space. Yeah. Historically, always used to be Tent City down yep. at the front along that wall. So now it's now they get that whole... they're, they're good guys. J- Jamie runs that. I think his dad started that store 100 years ago. So Jamie runs it really That well. store started out in a little strip plaza 
across the road from my grandparents' apartment building in St. Catharines. Nice. Okay. So my grand, yeah. when I used to go visit, my grandfather and I would walk across the road just to get him out walking, right? Mm. And uh, we'd go over there, check. I'd buy a couple little doodads or something like that. And I haven't been there in a while. And now, I guess, for a while now, they've been, there's a big mall complex down the road. They moved there. They're much bigger now than... Yeah, they you probably know. moved. My first dry suit I bought off of Jamie. He was, he was reluctant because it was a brand. And the brand he carried, Stolquist. So he carried oh, the yeah. PFDs and some of their other stuff. But he didn't carry any of their dry suits. And I totally bought my first dry suit based on the, the fact that it was a good brand with good name recognition in PFDs. But I also couldn't afford a Kokatat at the right. time. Level 6 was just on market um, and didn't really have a great name at the time like they do now. Um, so I bought a Stolquist off of him. He was reluctant to bring it in. It was, a, it was essentially like, if something's wrong with it, deal with them, not me. Right. So, so he, he was really good. Uh, uh, and he'd been a customer of Kingdom Outdoors in, in the past. And um, another friend of mine worked for him, Mike Prout. Um, good guy, good kayaker and stuff. So, yeah, it's good to see them at the show every year. And just everybody else, you know, it's like we see so many people on social media and that and you don't really do a face-to-face except for at these shows or other events like Matt and Dave sing in the spring and the winter and, mm-hmm. and, and other, other events. So it's, um, it's really neat to see. And it's just neat to see and hug people again. Yeah. And, you know, we don't do that for a while. No, you know, and that's exactly your, like you say, you see everybody on social media and stuff, but not to, you know, come up and shake your hand. Hey, bud, how you doing? And that that face to face there's something to be said for that uh swift canoe and kayak were not there mm-hmm. ontario parks were not there mm-hmm. those are big uh missing Frontenac- canada just had a small had a smaller booth, booth yeah yeah they just had i think a 10 by 10 or a 10 by 20 usually yeah. them or ontario parks has like a big presence there but but that, that's been going for a few years though. it's I been downsizing yeah. at ontario parks because I don't know, the funding it, yeah, it wasn't in the budget. change with that. Yeah. yeah, they weren't funding things like that. Right. Frontenac Outfitters were there. They had some nice boats. Uh, H2O. They do. They have some nice boats as well. But you know what I don't like is the metal forts. It's like a yeah, metal tube. I didn't look at those close enough. Yeah. Like what, like the old Coleman Ram X's? Yeah. So like, I mean, they're nice looking boats. And then you look yeah. in the, in, and they got a nice dark wood yoke. But then there's like metal poles for the thwarts, and they've got some metal pole for uh, your foot uh, brace there, so, and the the, the solo canoes and stuff. Yeah, I uh, mean that's just a me thing. If you're going to give me a wood thwart or a wood uh, yoke, give me wood thwarts as well. Is it um, aluminium? Aluminium. I would assume so. I yeah. went. I tapped on it and was so there's, ding, ding, there's, ding. you know lightweight, no maintenance, oh, yeah. no corrosion, yep. yada yada yada. So oh yeah, I, mean, and I, I think it's like just that is it's potato potato, right? Yeah, like some people love wood gunnels, some people abhor them. And I'll never get wood gunnels again, <laughs> just because you abhor work yeah. and splinters. Yeah, I've got I've got wood gunnels of mine, and I moved my because. Um, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I'm in the middle of moving. And last week, I moved uh, my kayak and my canoe down to Harborfoot Coon Suck Kayak Center. Um, hopefully, temporarily until I figure out a storage solution here at the new place. But the um, yeah, those wood gunnels need need uh, some attention this spring for my um, yeah, well, it's, canoes boat. So 
I can bounce my uh, metal ends off the ground if, you know, going through tomogamy or something, you hit a rock, bounce it, whatever. Wood, not so much. Oh, I have. (laughs) have. Remember that wind we had on Tuesday? What do you think happened to my car in the Ratchet Harbor? Remember that selfie video I sent you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the second take. The first one involved a bit of a boat drop. Oops. Oops. Um, Yeah, Organic Boat Shop had some nice boats there as well. They sell uh, Riom boats. Right. Which I believe are out of Quebec, if I'm not mistaken. So. Uh, yeah, and a oh, lot. Is that their brand or like? It's, do they no, it's it's a brand a brand stores? that they sell. It's not their own personal brand. Okay, though. right. Yeah. And they're now they were at. We first met them at the um, Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium last year. We met them cool. there, and yeah, so nice. There was a bunch of paddle boards and and kayaks, canoes, that sort of stuff. There was a, a good mixture of them. Uh, like I said, Novacraft is not there. Swift isn't they there. They were there, though. No one trucks there. I saw, I don't know who was driving it, if it was, um. But they didn't have a big booth with boats, right? I don't think they had a Unless I totally I missed it. I didn't know. So. No, no, no. <laughs> Just when we were pulling out on Saturday, I saw the, the Novacraft pickup truck. But, so it would make sense that he'd want to return and see what it was like. And yeah, maybe with, uh, the office upstairs and get some floor space for next year because if you know if next year then something like this year everybody's going to be knocking on the door to want to get in the show so right but yeah it was nice to meet up with a bunch of people I haven't seen uh, in a while lots of listeners flagging me down to say hello which was always awesome what uh, else happened there on saturday afternoon got to take in a couple of presentations tried to else? get kevin into kevin callen's presentation standing yeah, room i got to the door mm-hmm. And couldn't even get any farther than the door. I took a picture and left. <laughs> Next year, wear a suit and act as a security so you can get up to Ooh, stage right. Yeah, yeah I'll just haul them right off stage. Ooh. Sorry, your yeah. rest. Put them in the cuffs. You're gone. I gave my presentation at 5 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. There were still a lot of people there, cool. which was awesome. nice. Um, talked not just about, family? Not just my family, no. Okay. Other people's right. families, too. Yeah, <laughs> And it was more than just friends. Was there anybody you didn't recognize? Yeah, there was, was there a anybody you didn't pay? There was a couple. There was a couple people I didn't recognize. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, but I think they were lost because they got half. Remind through. me what your subject connection. connection yeah, that's what your subject. Um, paddling the connections we make, and actually, I got a, I got a quite a number of compliments on that topic too, which was nice. Awesome. Because it's it not your regular. It was the elevator speech of the thirty-minute talk, right? It's like yeah, no, it's, it's, tell tell us the elevator version of what you just what the you elevator version is all the types of connections you make while you're paddling everything from connections to nature, family connections, family reconnections, uh, friend connections, passing connections. These are the connections you meet make just as you're walking by on a portage or some people right. you'll never awesome. see again. That sort of deal, unknown connections. Um, you know, little connection you make with. When I first started going paddling and all these connections that I made have led me to me and you talking right. here today. Yeah. Who would have known just because I decided really to go on a canoe cool trip? cool when you look back at like where any of us are today, like especially in like a small industry like mm-hmm. the outdoor industry or me and sea kayaking, you more in the canoe or just how we, how we came together. Yeah. Um, ooh, that sounded dirty. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and when you look back to that connection, like that connection – 
to you and I, and I've, I've explained this on the podcast before, it, it, it became with a road trip. Um, mm-hmm. And then you were talking about your future road trip, which was very similar to the road trip I was on at the moment. Um, and that led me to badgering you. And, you know, then we met uh, with Stephen Coots and Matt, Matt out in, uh, and Dwayne out in Guelph canoe polling. And, you know, that started, uh, what was that? 27, summer of 2017. So, yeah. you know, close to your friendship. So, oh man. Yeah. Um, you know, so it is really when you stop and think about your connections to anything, um, you know, it, it it's just, pretty awesome just how wide you can go with it almost yeah. infinite so so but you know i mean yeah. like even with with things like okay you know what yeah i'm gonna go out for paddle i'm not a big paddle and then you know 20 years later or whatever you're throwing your canoes on the train car so that you can yeah. go up to moose and eat like just because you decide to buy a cheap canoe one day and to go fishing because you couldn't afford a big twenty thousand dollar bass boat Right, so hey, my my mine started with I had stopped smoking twenty years ago. I kept putting on weight after weight after weight. Two thousand eight, I decided um, to start smoking again. No, I'm kidding. Uh, smoking's bad. Don't smoke, kids. Um, so I decided I, I cacked in my teens and early twenties. So I'm like, let's try this cacking thing again. Try to try to drop some of this weight, and I bought a uh, a boat off Costco. Paddled it three or four times, returned it to Costco, went down to Outdoors Oriented in St. Catharines, bought my first real kayak off of Jamie, um, and then that led me into the kayak and then now, and then canoe and all that, and boom, I'm sitting here talking to you about yeah. paddling 15 years later after having been an instructor and have developed a business out of this and, you know, literally worldwide connections for, you know, like the reason I went to the pool on Sunday was because a friend of mine from Nova Scotia was in town doing some instruction, like, Chris. you know, and I wouldn't have had that connection if it wasn't for the connection before that and social mm-hmm. media and all that, which has really been a, a, a big thing to connect with all as well. So, yeah, well, I mean, we, we talk about, you know, like we get, well, Yukon Steve. You know, coming down from the Yukon and stop wants to stop in and, and yeah. have a have dinner and whatnot, and then people coming over from from England to to paddle and say, "Hey, can we stop in and and see and chat with people from Australia?" I was talking about them the other day because Tamara and I were downtown and we passed by that pub, we that brew pub. We yeah. met them at for dinner, and um, I was just I was telling her about how like, and she's like, "They came all the way here." I'm like, "Well, they're here for other reasons, yeah. but while they're here, they." You know, we went out for dinner and had beers and, you know, and I find that in my um, my day job too, which is I run a tour company and I've met people from 89 different countries and just through social media mostly, you know, stay in touch with a, a hell of a lot of them. So mm-hmm. much so that it took me with a pandemic. I was in Liverpool, England and spent a day and a half with somebody who had joined me on my tour two years prior, you know. Um, you it's know, cool. So it, it certainly is, so. I think I took over your elevator talk. Oops. Did you? Anyway, so yeah, it was all about uh, connections we make. And um, like I say, I got a lot of nice compliments about, you know what, not really thinking about it, but when you put it that way, you start looking and thinking about all the connections. And and yeah, it's 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 pretty neat. So um, awesome. all in all, great time was had. Did you buy anything? Baklava. Baklava and Turkish, Turkish lights. That's oh, it. Yeah, really. Off the Iranian ladies. 
That was, yeah, that that was it. We, me and Tamara, our goal, my goal there is all first and foremost is always social. Yeah, is to see people, is to give hugs, it's to say hi to people, it's to give support get a hug. to vendors. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you one next time. And um, and then Tamara and I, our, our our main goal there was to um, look at some of the travel booths because mm-hmm. we don't know what our next vacation is going to be. We did our big uh, kind of turning fifty vacation in September and October, and we're really struggling with what we want to do next. But we know we want it to be a lot of fun. So we we went and scooped up a lot of uh, pamphlets from the Azores, Costa Rica, um, Newfoundland. Um, Detroit, a um, few other places. <laughs> Downtown Detroit. <laughs> okay, so Detroit has been, and this is just my anecdotal observation from what I've been seeing people post about on social media. Detroit has kind of reinvented itself. It's not the chaotic place it was in the 80s and 90s and Beverly Hills Cop and all that. Um, and, and it's got a good art scene now, you know, the Henry Ford Museum, they've redeveloped the waterfront, and, you know, they're, they're building it, they're, well, with Canada, well, Canada's building it, and I guess it's just going to Detroit, the new Gordie Howe Bridge. Um, you know, so Detroit's kind of at a, kind of a neat place in, in its timeline here, so it's, um, and I've known a lot of people have gone and visited, but I feel sorry for the poor bastards, because I don't know if you noticed at the show, but there was, like, the Canadian pavilion of all the travel things. And over here was the U.S. pavilion. Over here was the Caribbean. Over here was, mm-hmm. like, the African and Asian. And there, right in amongst the cross from Costa Rica and Turks and Caicos, Detroit. <laughs> I didn't even see that. <laughs> I just blew right on by all that. Yeah. So, yeah. Fun. yeah. No, I, I go there to check out, you know, basically window shop. 50 yeah. different stores without having to travel to 50 different stores. And then every so often there's some, oh, you know what? I need one of those. What did you buy? And that segues us into your Recreational next Barrel list. Works map case. Wow. So Super Andy Baxter. Andy Baxter. Oh, oh that, the, the guy that uh, uh, Kevin hangs around with? Yeah, Kevin Callan's buddy. Yeah. yeah. So Kevin Callan is Andy's sidekick. Yes. <laughs> He was at the show, and he was at um, Outdoors Oriented. He was down at the end selling I saw him, but stuff. I couldn't yeah. get in to say hi. or. See oh, yeah, he was. There was people there. Because there was always people around him. So. Yeah. So Kevin mentioned on social media that Andy was going to be there, and he'd have some of these new map cases. I happen to need a new map case. Because mine is, you know, you put the map in, you fold it over, and there's that Velcro. Right. The thing's probably... Eight years old, nine years old. Okay. The Velcro's coming off. I stapled it. It came off. It stapled it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's half metal now. Once you staple something, no matter how shitty the waterproofing was before. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> that Worse. much. Yeah. So he had these and I looked at one and they're 50 bucks. I'm thinking, whoa, that's a bit pricey. <laughs> But I don't think it's so. not my, my far first off. Case was a Aqua something or other. They don't make that one anymore. That company it was a fantastic one. But my first one I bought in two thousand nine or ten, and I think it was fifty or sixty bucks. Mm-hmm. I think so the if ones... I was buying in that case now, I'd expect to be paying that or more. Yeah, I think my the one that I'm replacing, I paid thirty five forty bucks for. So an extra ten, 10 years, bucks, eight years ago. Yeah. yeah. So that's not that's not too bad of a difference. So this thing here, it's a clear, heavy duty plastic, hundred percent water uh, waterproof. Yeah, on the website, it's like pretty adamant that it's like waterproof. Yeah, I think he 
Yeah, because they're saying some of them are, you know, eventually leak. And these ones, no, these are waterproof, apparently. Uh, Waterproof for real, he claims. mm -hmm. For real, yeah. A map case for design by paddlers for paddlers. Finally, a map case can live up to the claim of being waterproof. That's awesome. Yeah. Four D rings at the corners. You can put your cell phone in it, and the touch screen works. So I actually put my cell phone in and... Did yeah, you can you can use your cell phone inside this thing. Uh PVC BPA free, hot and cold temperature resilient, sixteen and a half inches long by thirteen inches wide, three hundred grams, ten point five ounces. Sixteen and a half by thirteen. Okay, that's a good size. Really heavy duty zipper. It almost reminds me of something you see like on your dry suit zipper sort of thing. Not quite right, that, yeah, good, yeah. but Really, right. really cool. heavy-duty zipper. So it's going to awesome. take a bit to... If you get water inside your case from the zipper, it's because you didn't close it. But yeah. Awesome. Uh, RecreationalBarrelWorks.com. He's got... I think he said is, says he's got 25 in stock right now. But he What's sold out. They sold out. At the show. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so good for him. There's there's a lot of these little things that he's that, that Andy's making at Recreational Barrel Works. Um, little thingies that but you wouldn't you can't think say of. That, the base can't say that three times fast. I barely said it one time fast. And I know. <laughs> and, and he's got it rated IP68 rated, which is pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, on that whole IP scale, which I forget. Like an iPhone is like around that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, one meter for 30 minutes. Yeah, so that's like the same as like the iPhones are now, which I've tested that a thousand times. <laughs> I tested that at the Outdoor Adventure Show. Um, Robert Jones of Otter Valley uh, Paddle Sports was uh, there with, and his son was rolling. There, there's a new um, kayak on the market called Naughty, Naughty Raid. Um, not Naughty Raid. Um, and it, it, it's kind of like the track kayak where it's a... Uh, like a, a skeletal frame, and then you you put the the, the skin around it. I'm okay. not sure if it's aluminum or what it is or what the skin is. So I'm not going to speak too much about that. But Lucas uh, Robert's son was uh, doing a bunch of Greenland rolls, so I put my uh, phone underwater and got him doing a uh, a roll. So and my phone still works. So excellent. It's always that's good. good. <laughs> it was good for you. <laughs> yeah. So that's the only thing I bought at the Outdoor Adventure Show. What trades you buy? Nothing. Lunch. And she bought me lunch. Okay. Very good. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think she bought anything. She Now there's a bike, not a race, um, event, charity thing. So you can ride so many mm-hmm. kilometers. You can do a 25 loop. Yeah, I guess that's a marathon, isn't it? You can do 25 kilometers. 75 miles. 42. Yeah, but it's on a bike. Don, the Don Valley. They closed the Don Valley. Oh, I saw that booth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. she signed up for that. Yeah, the base I'll ride for hired or one of those kind of Yeah, event. she's put a post on her yeah. site today for it. Uh, something about the brain, ride for the brain or something. Uh, okay. Anyway, um, cool. yeah, she's going to. Now, I used to ride down. We'd start at Edwards Gardens, drive, uh, ride all the way down Cherry Beach, right. and then ride back up. And there was a couple of times you're like, do you think I could just take my bike on the bus? 
<laughs> can quite, now. Quite the heavy duty. Not back in the day, up. but you could, couldn't back then, but you can now. <laughs> Every bus in the GTA has one of those fold down bike yeah. carrier things. I don't so. need this bike anymore. I'm just yeah. off in the bus. I'll leave it here. <laughs> Whoever wants it can have it. But well, yeah, she's good to see Tracy when I saw Tracy, and it was like, well, I think first time. Yeah, it was the first time I think I've seen her. Yeah, a little since while. the spring Matt and Dave's show. Yeah. Right, when yep. me and Tamara, because then that's the second day she met Tamara, so she was all excited because we were talking about, because I have a date with your wife coming up in a couple You're of You're going months. to Hamilton. Hamilton, the show Hamilton, dun, not dun. in Hamilton. You're going in to Toronto, Hamilton. So. Driving her down. That. That, was, that was a thing, me, me, Tracy, and Arianna were supposed to go to, get, and then COVID kind of screwed up Yeah. that, so I get a redo on the date. Yep, yep. And you get some peace and quiet for an evening. Ah. <sighs> Peace well, it's a Tuesday. You'll, you'll have your regular date with Derek anyway. We'll be recording the show. Dag nabbit. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording Monday that week. <laughs> yeah, so you get some peace. Uh, yeah, other than that, uh, you had a great time. Speaking of races. Race. Yeah, speaking of races. Speaking of races. Have you heard of the North Bay Nadua River canoe race? I was very seriously contemplating that many, many moons ago when I was doing such things as racing and whatnot. Um, it's like a 64 kilometer race in that one for yeah. a heavy kayak well and that's um, what everybody says is the great race except the portages are a bit much which makes it an awesome race like yeah. um the texas water safari you yeah. know i'm sure west hanson like hates but loves that race right yep like, yep that's brutal well apparently this iconic canoe race will not be taking place this year the North Bay Mattawa Conservation Authority states its goal is to return to the water in 2024. Budget constraints. They forced them to cancel the North Bay Mattawa canoe race this summer. So after a two-year hiatus, the race returned last year for edition number 45. Number 46 will not be on the water this year. 45 so, years. So when it comes back, is it going to be the 47? 40, 40, well, it'll be the 46, <laughs> so they don't, yeah. Yeah, let's not get into that now. Um, yeah, it's a shame when this kind of thing happens, but you know, you gotta you gotta trust the number of countries that um you know, I think COVID probably had a hand in this. I don't know the details. Um well, that, sponsorship the, money or maybe people aren't traveling or people have found different interests or people have gone on to different things and sponsorship just, is uh, a big part of it. Right. Because the money comes from the conservation authority and they just don't have the money. So if you get all the big sponsors to pay for it, then that'd be good. Uh, 25-time veteran of the race, Don Stoneman, says he's disappointed. This week, the North Bay Mattawa Conservation Authority decided to cancel the 2023 event because of budget constraints. The canoe race has been an annual event almost every year since 1977, he said. That's a long time. Sure is. It's a shame to lose this race, which has been known as the jewel of the racing circuit of the Ontario Marathon Canoe and Kayak Racing Association. It's the only reason that many Southern Ontarians have to visit North Bay, which is just beyond the popular Muskoka tourist region. Yeah, but that's North Bay, to, uh, gateway to the north, right? I know sure. this because I used to live there. <laughs> I, I was going to say, you're on the base there, right? Yeah. I was going to say there's... Ain't there something, some funky... There was the NORAD. Or, sage, yeah, there was the NORAD the bunker and stuff yeah. there, right? Yeah, the yeah, hole, yeah, yeah, the yeah. sage. Like you drive the whole school bus down into it yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, my dad right? worked down there. Ooh, creepy. Yeah. 
Uh, North Bay Matawa Conservation. NORAD, they've been quiet lately. <laughs> <laughs> they've been hunting Chinese balloons. <laughs> uh, they met to approve the Conservation Authority's annual budget, and it was this time the decision was made to postpone the race to 2024. They're looking for a new business model that will attract more sponsors and volunteers so the race can become self-sufficient. That'd Which you cool. figure since 1977, they might have wanted to work on that before. Uh, uh, you know, like I said, things have been changing with COVID. If it's not a big part of their mandate, you know, mm-hmm. their, their primary goal is conservation. And then if this is just an add-on to bring awareness to to the watershed or whatever, it's... Um, the first it's not to go. a break even or a money maker for them, then it's going to be a line item to get scratched out, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it does come down to number crunchers, unfortunately. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, we've probably got about six, seven months now. No, well, no, because it'll be, have a year that, now. that's a summer thing. So now they've yeah. got a full year before they could have to figure out if they're, yeah. Um, I but hope. I'm sure they'll know in six or seven months whether or not they're, they can put any effort into it. So, yeah, hopefully do we know what kind of money we're short or anything? Like, is that was that known and whatever? No, they just said it was. Yeah, right. They just said it was uh, not enough money to to do it. Yeah, it's a shame. So, oh well. Hopefully next year. Hopefully, you know, you something that's going on that long. You want to keep it going, right? In the meantime, like the. Un- I always get it wrong. The Ontario Marathon Canoe and Kayak Racing Association. Yeah. They do a lot of races, um, and they're not all just for their members. Like the Canoe of the Nonquan. Mm-hmm. Fantastic race. Gets a couple hundred people out every year. It's, I think, 29, 32, 40 kilometers long or something like that. Part on the Nonquan River, part on Lake Scugog. A couple hundred people come out, and a few dozen of those are the racers. Um, so the racers usually get off to an early start and then, you know, all the other people come in behind and it's, um, you know, I'm sure that contributes to their bottom line because you have to pay your registration fee. And I think they ask, they want you to kind of raise money and sponsorship, that kind of thing too, and right. or a minimum registration fee. So it's, uh, you know, if you ever see a race and you you don't have to race race, but it's just an organized event that probably has shuttles and probably has little prizes or ribbons or whatever, you know. It's like, go and do it. It's a lot of fun. I've done the Canoe to Malcorn in Port Perry quite a few times. I haven't done it in years, but maybe I'll have to get to that. It's usually like first week in June. It usually bumps right into Father's Day. I think that's why I haven't done it in a couple of years. Oh, yeah, that goes towards the so. uh, middle to end of June. Yeah. I think so. I'll be up in Algonquin. Well, I, I'm usually in Algonquin Father's right. Day for the last like 20 something years. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Richard Kohler, 53 years. And then I wish Derek was here so I could rub this in his face. Okay. 53 years old. Apparently. How old is Derek? 54, 55, okay. 54. Why are we rubbing this in Derek's face? Because there's, he's always, oh, I'm too old to do, I'm too old, I'm too old, I'm too old. So Richard Kohler successfully kayaked 7,000 kilometers from Cape Town, South Africa to Salvador, Brazil. See, Derek, if he can do it, you can do it. It, um, you know, I think we all underestimate what we actually can do. Yeah. Now, when I did, I, I looked at the website briefly. He's done some other 
big oh shit big things yeah yeah like i didn't sleep for 47 hours going 380 kilometers kind of thing down this like surf to sea thing and all that like it but this thing here is 4,350 miles, you know, yeah. over how long was it? 60 some days? Yeah, two months. December Good 19th job. to February 19th. Exactly. Now, two is he South African? Because Kohler is a German. Kohler is like bathroom stuff and faucets and all that, right? Yeah, but I mean, South Africa would be Dutch, right? Well, yeah. But I see Kohler and I think of like, Toilets and urinals and stuff. And I see his name Richard. Hmm. We all have a short name for Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. And you thought I was going to keep it clean tonight. Oh, anyway, well, I didn't even believe it lasted this long. <laughs> <laughs> so no, apparently. That's quite, uh, that's quite the achievement. It, it's yeah. your, your standard little kayak, oversized kayak, kind of probably the size of a small sailboat, but with a little cabin and. Oh yeah, fully self-sufficient with all those food and desalinators and all that kind of stuff, and that's pretty freaking. Anytime I hear about that kind of thing, that's just freaking awesome. Yeah, um, it's uh, a record for the longest ever solo sea kayak journey, and he became the first person to paddle alone, unsupported, from South Africa to Brazil. Phenomenal. Reached the Brazilian coast, local paddlers, lifeguards, and navy accompanied him for the last few kilometers. It took him 63 days, 7 hours to paddle it. The first 48 hours, he suffered so badly from seasickness, he couldn't eat. Gale force winds, rough seas, and several storms then hit, forcing him to stop paddling and use his sea anchor. You know, like after like the first first few days of all of that, you're thinking, all right, I think I might be done. Um... After the third, oh, wait a minute, uh, sounds of the waves bashing in the sides and over amplified a hundred yeah, times inside that cabin, yeah. Even with the bubble wrap insulation it takes some getting used to, managed just 30 minutes of sleep in 30 hours and began questioning the sanity of undertaking such a challenge. After the I'm third sure, week, I'm sure his wife was questioning that long, long before she saw that. She saw that bank account draining. Mm. Yeah. After the third week, he was able to turn his kayak west into the trade winds, and this allowed him to pick up his pace. Uh, he, he's been working on this for 10 years. He thought of the challenge 10 years ago, been planning it for five. First tried caught crossing in 2021, but had to quit after 16 days because of mechanical issues. Wiring that powder, powered his main solar panels corroded. His backup panels were not working, and those powered his desalinator and communication systems. He was unable to fix them, so he had to reroute and land in Namibia. So, yeah, that could be an issue, not being able to drink for two months. Yeah, it, uh, you know, like salt water really... It I'm not a doctor, life. but... but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no science guy. Uh, he had no problems this time after he stepped on a dry land for the first time in two months. He told local media, I'm very relieved that I had what it takes for an adventure like this, but I'm also very grateful that it has come to an end. That to me sounds like he had a whole lot of type three fun. It wasn't fun <laughs> when I'm doing it. Now, looking back, still not fun. Still not fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a great time here. Yeah. Woo-hoo. We're done. I did it. Yeah, I'll never do it again. You know, my biggest thing like that doesn't even come close. Not even close. But I did an 80-mile race down in Tennessee 2010, 2011. And it was close to 19 hours out on the water. I thought I thought the water on the riverbank a few times, but. Yeah, I know what uh, I know. What my body feels like when it's dehydrated. Now I know yep. what, uh, I'd never hallucinated before that. Um, I know the effects of those little sugar packets and how quick they can work now, and what my body needs to go through that, and what my mind and spirit needs. That was less than twenty four hours, and this guy was out there sixty three times that. Like yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we did the the Brent run, and we were there for doing that for forty hours. But we yeah. had a couple of hours snooze in there too. But yeah. but still, I mean, with the canoe, yeah. the portage, canoe, and you had camaraderie. You had and you had with you and yeah. you're talking and all that. Like, yeah. you know, it's two in the morning, and I'm in a rural river in Tennessee, and it's like, here's a funny story. So, one of my last, uh, almost at one of my last, like, uh, safe uh, times to get out of the boat, the safety boat um, was alongside me. And I asked the guy, remember this Tennessee near um, Knoxville? near Dollywood, near the Smoky Mountains. So think of the stereotypes of the people. And this guy met every, and this guy met every single one. <laughs> and after the next stop, which was in a few miles where I'd be able to safely stop on uh, this uh, bridge crossing, I asked the guy, I said, if, you know, over this next, I think it was 17 miles or something. I'm like, if I have to stop, is it better to go river left or river right? And he took a look at the map. And he kind of put his hand on his chin, and he's like, well, can't go left because there's hogs. Well, shit, boy, you can't go right because there's hogs in there, too. You best stay in your boat, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I stayed in my boat, boy. <laughs> the end of that race. I'll just and, float uh, along. It was it was quite the night, let me tell you. But I'm sure this guy probably had many of those nights. I'm sure he was talking to dolphins that were swimming alongside him and... um. You know himself. Oh yeah, <laughs> like arguing with themselves. Oh, that's some of that's some of the best times. You get in your chit chats out and you have your conversations yeah. with yourself, right? Because when you're talking to yourself, the thoughts you, especially if you're philosophizing, philosophizing, yeah, sure, run uh, with it. You will go with that. Hearing the words out loud as opposed to in your head makes a difference. Yeah. So talking to yourself out loud is probably better than just keeping the little verbal thing going on in your head. That's my opinion, and you're welcome to it. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, I watched. I was just home. Didn't really have a whole lot to do. I was sick of packing, and I'm like, I think it's whatever shit. So I'm just like throwing Netflix, kind of wondered what to watch. And I came across this movie called True Spirit. Um, and it was of a young girl in 2011. She was 16 years old at the time, Australian girl named Jessica Watson, who was the young, at the time, the youngest person, male or female, I think. She wasn't the youngest female. She was the youngest person to circumnavigate the globe by sail without mm-hmm. touching land. So she departed Sydney. And I didn't realize this. When they, when they do like the circumnavigation, she had to like leave Sydney and go north over the equator come back down and then go around um, South America, the, what's the Cape? Cape uh, Horn? Is that Cape the Horn? Horn. Yeah. Go around that and then up around the equator again 
and then back down around Africa, then across the Indian Ocean. And for her, for what she was doing, she also had to go around the bottom of Tasmania. Um, and she encountered some pretty vicious storms and was, even at one point, I'm sure the movie probably dra- dra- dramatizes it a bit, but was like knocked over upside down for like an extended period of time in this one storm, but eventually righted and was able to sail in. So, and that was at 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because I guess if, if somebody is doing it that trip versus somebody like going around like Antarctic. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of not the same circular navigation. <laughs> no. Not only just in the short way. So yeah. I'm sure there's all sorts of things to do with mileage and all that. Yeah. Back before I got into kayaking, I was big into sailing. In fact, one of my only college credits I have is actually a sailing credit from Humber College back in the day <laughs> when I used to um, have a sailing program. Um, and I wanted to get into sailing, so I was, like, devouring everything in, like, the America's Cup and the, I forget the name of it, but the round-the-world races and all that. Like, it's, like... It's pretty spectacular what some of these people do, and it's, it's oh yeah, uh, it's it's pretty pretty freaking awesome. And then like you see, like this sixteen year old girl does this, or this old guy Derek, fifty three years old, does sixty three days in his boat. You know, it's it's uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, I think Derek should uh, come up with a goal and do it. I think. There, well, okay, so Freya Hoffmeister is doing all the continents. Mm-hmm. Les Hansen's about to do the the Great West Path, Great West Northwest, Passage, Northwest Passage yep. again this summer after the attempt last year. Hmm. So Derek can circumnavigate the world top to bottom to top. Didn't Charlie Berman and Ian McGregor already do that? No, they only went one way. Right? No, so, they did two. No, they did. Well, they they did the, the three, long way down, the long way up, and the long way round. I've seen. I've seen. In the, this week, I saw two of those Rivian pickup trucks. Remember the Rivian? Oh yeah, that they, they were using on long way up. Yeah, the electric one. I saw two yeah. of those on the highway this week. I'm yeah, like, I haven't seen. I haven't seen those in Canada yet. That's all. Pretty slick looking truck. Oh, very. But so, if he started from Nova Scotia, went all the way down to Antarctica, then towed his boat and on skis around mm-hmm. to the other side, and then up. Is he going up and over Mount Vincent? Vincent? Well, that's his choice. Vincent's an <laughs> We'll leave that up to him. Yeah. And then he has to make it all the way to the Arctic, the North Pole, and right. then from the North Pole back down to Nova Scotia. Yeah. That's okay. that that's his trip. There we've just planned it for him. He can he can figure out the details. <laughs> Anywho. Cool. Let's go to Texas. Speaking of West Hanson. San Antonio. So, uh, San Antonio. That's where the Alamo is? Yeah. That's where it is. Yeah. The Alamo. Ozzy Osbourne. Didn't Ozzy Osbourne get ticketed for peeing outside the Oh, yeah. He peed in the, on, on it or something like that. Or, <laughs> yeah. 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 Pretty sacred site for Texans, I guess. <sighs> Leave it to Ozzy. Yeah. Sharon! Yeah. Sharon! Uh, San Antonio Parks and Rec Department has approved a license agreement for non-motorized watercraft rentals with the Expedition School at Elmendorf Lake and Woodlawn Lake Parks, bringing rentable canoes, single and tandem kayaks, and stand-up paddle boards to park visitors. Nothing really 
hot diggity about that. They're setting up a, mm-hmm. a boat rental place and getting people out on the water. But, but wait, there's more. The newly approved agreement also incorporates programming such as adaptive paddling, health and wellness programs, camps, and professional water safety courses. Visitors can look forward to activities catering to a wide array of abilities. Founded in Austin in 2006, the Outdoor Education Institute devotes itself to providing its clients the best and safest quality outdoor education experiences. And this includes providing adaptive paddles for intellectually and developmentally disabled, blind and visually impaired, and deaf populations. The specialized gear attaches to watercraft to support the paddler's the paddle's weight, eliminating stress on the shoulders, back, and joints. The adaptation allows people with limited strength or endurance to enjoy previously inaccessible water sports. This is not something that you see with every kayak, canoe, watercraft rental place. No. This goes above um, and beyond that. Yeah, we need more of this shit in Canada. Yeah. You know, every it, it, it's weird. A lot, At least once every, I don't know, three, four, five months, somebody will send me, and usually a non-paddler will send me, like, one of those adaptive paddling or accessible paddling ramps. Yeah. You know, they're, they're usually big plastic floating docks, and they're almost always in America. And we need more of that here. There's definitely not. Like, my, my friend Pauline Halstead, she runs Abilities in Motion. I think she's out of London. Oh, Abilities in Motion, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, and, you know, Harborfront has a sailing school that uh, helps it people um, to get people with all sorts of different accessible issues from sight impaired to mobility impaired, people in wheelchairs out sailing, um, mm-hmm. little dinghies, and usually, you know, they, they, they try to get them to do the, the, as much sailing as they can along with um somebody to assist them in the boat as and if needed. So, but, you know, we're the fourth largest metropolitan area on the, in North America. And I can only think of actually two places now because National Yacht Club also has a program and three, there's another one out in Kingston way, but it's, uh, it, it, it's, we need more of that. And we need more government involvement in that kind of stuff. Oh like, yeah. There's very little like public access paddling launch points that have any kind of assisted uh, or adaptive paddling or assisted yeah. docks or anything like that. So Yeah, it's usually just the you'll see the dock or something, and that's as far as they tend to go. Yeah. Right? Um, be, uh, that's not the only nod uh, to the expedition school's inclusivity. Two locations will also serve as outdoor schools for youth. The school's team-building events will allow groups to build camaraderie, trust, and communication skills while enjoying... You know, I'm sitting here, I'm about to give you props for, like, there's a few pretty decent words in there that, like, you nailed. (laughs) And then you screwed up communication. (laughs) I was was about to talk about (laughs) paddling in, in Stockholm. And then I started going through that article. Yeah, we're not talking about paddling in Stockholm because I wouldn't have made it past the first paragraph. You don't want to mention all the names of the Bergen, <laughs> I would not have made it past half that article, quarter that article. 
the title. Just say every word as if you're singing it in an ABBA song, and you'll be fine. No, I say every word like on the chef from Muppet show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, back to communication. Anyway, uh, communication skills while enjoying the beautiful scenery of the parks. The school is also committed to environmental stewardship. Since its inception, it has picked up over 10 tons of trash, four tons of recycling in and around Austin's Ladybird Lake. Every program the Expedition School provides is dedicated to leaving the area cleaner than it was found, ensuring the park visitors can enjoy pristine surroundings. Who are these guys? They are some good damn people who got a lot of government money and they're making a business out of it. So it's probably some sort of private public partnership, mm-hmm. which we don't like doing up here too much. But yeah, anyway, that's. But I mean, look what they're doing. I mean, yeah, no, it's fantastic. And it it definitely needs applauded and we need more of it. Um, We need to try to make um, paddling it as accessible as we can to everyone. um, Well, everybody's doing it now, right? Everybody, since COVID, everybody wants to get into paddling. Yeah. Or so it seems. So you got to include everybody because that's, you know, inclusivity is the thing. Um, Yeah. You mentioned Ladybird Lake, and have you heard of the, the it's mostly an Instagram site, Effinbirds, E-F-F-I-N? No. Go look it up. Okay. so funny. It's this <laughs> guy, he's an artist, I think he's in Toronto, but he put puts like, he'll do, draw this beautiful illustration of, um, I don't know, a toucan, and then has just this very non-PG saying next to it. Oh. <laughs> E-F-F-I-N, birds. But the reason I say that right now, because you mentioned Ladybird. Tamara's sister-in-law's birthday is coming up. I don't think she listened to this podcast. but And there's this bird book we came across called The Field Guide to Dumb Birds of North America. (laughs) (laughs) We got it on the Amazon last week and ordered it up. And let me see. Here's one. I just flip open the... Nicely illustrated picture of a robin, mm-hmm. but it's not just any robin. It's called the dumbass robin, <laughs> um, the dumb western bluebird, the common goon, which is the loon. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see, I don't. They're just this. I was flipping through it the other day, and it's, it's so oh, the Canada geese was like the something ass hat or something, and it, it's just very well done. So. Good old Cobra. I, I saw Ladybird and sorry, Ladybird Johnson, but you know <laughs> that's what that's what that, my my mind went to the gutter. Your doesn't mind went right there, buddy. It doesn't take much. Well, I know. Uh, though Parks and Recreation did not share a hard launch date for the rentals and programming, the action is expected to kick off this spring. Locals can keep up with development on the San Antonio Parks and Rec website. So yeah, that's. Uh, that's quite so. Thing. They're getting everybody out. They're helping anybody and everybody out to paddle. And yep. while they're doing it, they're also picking up trash and making the world a better place. Yeah, those people suck. We don't need right? any more of those people on what's, this planet. What's wrong with those people? I know. Speaking all, of trash, that, that's almost like the people that are like helping whales and turtles and stuff like that. No more straws. <sighs> no more speaking straws of and trash and things that are bad for the planet. Yeah. As of Segway 2024, show. nice segue, Alan. <laughs> As of 2024, the outdoor retail co-op REI will only partner with brands that avoid P 
PFAS substances in their gear. Now, I remember a while back it was the BPAs. You know, all your right. Nalgene's had to get rid of the BPAs in them and out of the plastics because it's all cancer-causing. PCBs, the NASAs. All those letters. REI's new rules require its suppliers to cut all per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. Huh? How's that one? From all cookware, apparel, shoes, packs, and similar gear. His planned phase out of all remaining products of the chemicals. Its deadline is fall 2024. Wow, that's pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Suppliers. Yeah, uh, yes, really quick. Yeah, a year and a half. Suppliers of all remaining textile products in its retail line, like heavy-duty rain jackets, have until 2026 to phase out the chemicals. Uh, PFAS include over 9,000 human-made chemicals with non-stick and water-repellent properties that is widespread in consumer products. A wide range of outdoor clothing, pots and pans, and firefighting foam all contain PFAS, also called forever chemicals. They won't break down naturally. Are you? I sell firefighting foam? I guess. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Studies have detected PFAS in the bloodstream of 97% of Americans and wild animal species all over the planet. Oh, come on. We're so close. 97%? Yeah, you slacked. Damn, so close. Broader oh, no. health. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me do the math. No shit, that's not good. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a second. Oops. The broader health implications in uh, PFAS introduced are still under debate, but studies have already linked the chemicals to many health problems, including cancer and liver damage. Hey, something that takes forever to decompose or it never decomposes. Yeah, I don't think it's got really good things to be in your body so no you want to try to avoid that sort of thing mm-hmm. uh rei first introduced its product standards model in 2018 as a self-audit of its environmental impacts with a 2020 update the company said it wanted to address its partner brands carbon reduction inclusive marketing mm-hmm. practices and cultural designs in the products they make and sell to rei so basically, you know, REI is dictating, if you want to work with yeah. us, then this is what you're going to do. Well, when you get big enough, you can start telling your suppliers, mm-hmm. you know, to do it, or we're going to find someone else, you yeah. know. And, but some of their suppliers are already doing this kind of thing. Patagonia, for one. Yvonne yep. Schwenard, years ago, started doing it. He started seeing how, how he recognized just, like, how bad some of his products were for the planet and started doing what he could to mitigate... Um, the damage that he had caused and that they would cause going forward, but with recycling programs and, 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 um, send back to them and they'll repurpose it programs and all that kind of stuff. So, and then just working with their suppliers to make better things. So no, it's good well, that area do it. You know, any, any little step helps. helps. Yeah. Even, even in my industry, the printing industry is there's a lot of our clients that, say we have to use paper products from um, certain types of sustainable forests and stuff like that. Like you can't just go, you know, use any old ones. You have to have this much post-consumable fiber. Yeah. It must be this recycled. Yeah, yeah. Which which is good. 
you know, and all these demands, it's like some of them sound a little like, you know, you do this or else, but it all helps the world be a better place, you know, yeah. and like the printing industry and anybody to do its chemicals in the past used to just dump their shit out the back door for crying out loud, you know? Oh yeah. Now, um, like we, we you have, a, down the, now you dump it down the drain now inside you the building. It, yeah. <laughs> now we take it to the neighbor's drain. Uh, no, we've got, we've got a, uh, a unit on our sewer system like outside the yeah. building that, that takes samples and they come in, the ministry come and collect that every so often and uh, say, Oh yeah, no, your, your water's good. Or, you know, Hey, you guys got too much of this, that, or the other thing. And yeah. Well, I used to work, this is going back 30 years for a cat litter company. Cat litter is bentonite clay. Bentonite clay has a lot of dust in it. So when you're offloading it from the rail cars into the building, there's a lot of spillage and all that. And after rain or after snow like today and it melts, it goes into the, uh, the storm drain and off it goes. And we just thought, okay, it's just dirt. It's silt, whatever. It's no big deal. But, um, the city of Toronto knocked on our door one day and said, um, a lot of this bentonite clay is like leaching into a total creek three kilometers away through the stormwater system. And it, it, potentially change the habitat of, you know, the lower section of Etobicoke Creek. So we had to do what we could to mitigate anything at all that mm -hmm. wasn't um, natural for this watershed to going down the drains, you know, and it was just that knock on the door and us really just putting water absorbent booms around the drains and just being more, um, just being cleaner with what we were doing um, and cleaning up after ourselves a lot more often mitigated that damage and here they are doing this on a much wider scale and yeah. if they're doing it then the exporting goods will start doing that kind of thing if they're not already and bass pro and you know everybody will kind of follow suit and some of them will just do it because a it's good business but because all the suppliers are already doing it anyway so yeah. they're just saying we're going to do it but whatever it uh no it's good it's all trickle down trickle down are you, uh, are you back to Dick Kohler again? <laughs> <laughs> to help its brand partners meet the new rules, REI will provide resources and engagement opportunities in support, uh, workshops, guidance, documentation, partnerships with the Outdoor Industries Association's Climate Action Corps, and more are on the table. Standards keep the co-op and over 1,000 of our brand partners accountable, REI Vice President of Product Chris Bayer says. The products we carry represent our greatest opportunities to uh, support better ways of doing business. We want our members and customers to know the products they purchase at REI are helping to build a better retail industry. REI is the largest consumer co-op in the U.S. with 21.5 million members. That's a lot of people. You know. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. REI. Definitely not enough of them near us. Right. Right. I wonder if there's, well, there's, I wonder, there's got to be one in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm not There's sure a Rutabaga. They've got a new store. Yeah. We're going to go check it out. But you're not going to be able to visit. Why? Because he closes the store when he's got Kim Kopi going on. Uh, he, really? He better not. I wonder, maybe he'll change for, because he just opened his new store. Well, if it weeks. closes while, oh. while Kim Kopi is on. He's going to reopen it after Canucopia, and on the front is going to be spray painted. Sean was here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Could be any number of Sean's. 
Not necessarily. Sorry, Darren. Sean was here. Not Sean, show, not the, Sean was here. Darren Sean was, was here. not. Not not the podcast one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Derek Specht was here. <laughs> Big letters across the front. Uh, other than that, yeah, we're heading to Quiet Adventure Symposium this this weekend. This Saturday, we'll be at the Quiet Adventure Symposium in Lansing, Michigan. Cool. I'm going the other way. I'm going to Ottawa. You're going to Ottawa. I'll be there yeah. in April, mid-April. Okay. Ottawa Outdoor and Adventure Travel Show. I'll be there. Oh, that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been to that one. Oh, yeah. so, okay, so I was at that one eight years ago this spring. This is not part of the reason why I'm going to Ottawa. I'm definitely going to research this when I'm in Ottawa. But as of when it, since I've been moving, right, as I've said, couple times here and, and the other week and one thing i came across i bought this picture in ottawa of a polar bear uh it was like 60 or 80 bucks or something really cool print and at this art store in ottawa right on what's the spark street that's that pedestrian banks that pedestrian bank where yeah, anyway, yeah. downtown near the part of the building anyway i bought it loved it put it in a frame it never really found a home in my, in my last place so i was hoping to find a home for it in the new place um but then I'm like, I wonder if like it's like got some cool markings on it and that. And so like I like Googled about it and if it's what I think it is, that like sixty or forty bucks or whatever that was I spent on it eight years ago. Like the last time this print a print and apparently this artist there's only a hundred prints made, went for like four hundred and some odd UK pounds in like twenty eighteen. Really? Look at it worth like ten times what I paid for it. Hmm. If it's one of the actual one of one hundred prints, is there a but number on? It kind of looks like it is. Like it's like paid the, the paper's age appropriate for when it should have been and all that, you know. Because I'm a paper expert, and right? Whatnot. But anyway, so <laughs> so take a picture. No, and go uh, back to that store. And say, no, okay, uh, yeah. So I'm gonna no. I'm just gonna take some pictures of all the details and just go back and just ask the guy. Like if they know anything, maybe they don't even either. I don't know. Yeah, it just just. Pretty cool print of a uh, polar bear. Um, well, that's the stuff we bought off that guy in the back of his van. Could be that too, right? Yeah, could be that too. So, yeah, just going to hang out with the girlfriend. She's got some work to do in Ottawa this week. She went up on the train today. I'm going up on Wednesday, so going to hang out to to the new apartment building or the temporary apartment building. Are you going to Byward Market? Lined up. What's that? Are you going to Byward Market? We're staying in the Byward Market. <gasps> you know what's in yeah. Byward Market? Beaver tails. Beer. Bywords. Starts with a C. Crocs. That's what you would You know, Elsevin right underneath our hotel in Tamara. I'm on the phone with her earlier on the way home, and she's like, ooh, there's a Patagonia store right, right there. Ooh. Oh. Alan's going to be bro-oak. Somebody forwarded me a, a, a funny um, a little video the other day. There was a guy in a car in the dark saying, I want to have the confidence of a Subaru driver in Toronto, uh, or I want to have the confidence of the guy I just saw driving through a snowstorm in Toronto with the sunroof open wearing a Patagonia vest. <laughs> <laughs> and like three people have sent it to me going, was this you? I'm like, I have a Patagonia jacket, not a Patagonia vest. <laughs> they got it wrong. <laughs> and I have my side windows down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. Oh, you know what else? Have you been seeing pictures of the Northern Lights? 
Oh, Let's everywhere, yeah. The past couple of days, like yeah. my family in Scotland, um, somebody else I know in Northern Europe, um, friends in Calgary and Edmonton and, and further west than that. They've just been spectacular. One the of the girls, of one of our, one of our clients, uh, one of the sales girls there, she's in Iceland right now. Oh, I hope you got clear She's skies. gonna have a show of shows. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. She's gonna, I, I told her this time of year, watch out for the, the, uh, the Northern Lights. So I expect to hear <laughs> when she gets back. <laughs> Yeah. It was cloudy. Everything it was day. cloudy. Was, yeah, hey. even like um, uh, her, the, the name escapes me, of course, because I want I want I want to mention it. She was um, Brooke Brooke Gottel. Oh, oh, I would in Alberta now, and um, in Alberta, and she posted some really yeah. cool pictures in that Johnny Stinson. And, uh, well, yeah, he's northwest of there. Yeah. yeah, so he must have seen them. Oh yeah, he posted he pictures. Put, yeah. oh, okay, I haven't seen those yet. So. Oh yeah, yeah, everybody is. Yeah, except us. Yeah. Walk, walk. But you know, that's like the last ten full moons. I think I've seen two. Yeah, because it's always been a couple cloudy. Of full moon paddles that people yeah. have gone out for. There's been no full moon. Yeah, so it's always cloudy. The best time I ever saw the Northern Lights was the Thursday before Labor Day weekend, 2001. I was moving back to Toronto from living in Lethbridge, Alberta. And it's like 3 in the morning. I'm bombing across between Medicine Hat and Regina. I've got the sunroof open. I'm wearing my Patagonia vest. Um, I wasn't. Uh, it was in my old Mobile Cutlass Supreme, so my old man car. And I remember talking. I was on the phone with a friend before, like, Bluetooth and speakerphones and all that, so probably highly illegal, and just watching the Northern Lights dance, mm. and it was like greens and purples and oranges, and um, this was like southern Saskatchewan in the summer, so it was like, it was so cool. Yeah. Uh, Mackenzie and I were on French River, on Georgian Bay, camped for the night, big open rock and all that, and all of a sudden the sky just lit right up. It was Sweet. the first time he ever saw the Northern Lights. Amazing. Right? So, yeah. Yeah, they're definitely something to see. Uh, other than that, that's about it. You got anything else? I have nothing. I got nothing. I've got nothing, Hogan. Nothing. I got nothing. All righty. Well, if you want to find cool. more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. You can go to the episode page at Paddling Adventures Radio and stream or download all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with friends, family, and fellow paddlers. Alan, thank you very much for stepping in for uh, that slacker, Derek. Yeah, he's skiing. He's having fun. Just I hope kidding. he falls a few times. Oh, I'm sure he will. It's not it's not a ski day if you don't fall. But thanks a lot for having me. Appreciate it. You know, I always love being here. Excellent. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm not Derek Spech. And we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.